Welcome to the after credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, the team leader, it's Arturo Zurita. I don't know if I want the team leader role. I'd rather I'd rather be the Maverick. I'd rather not follow the rules, Zach. But we're here to review. You're more of a wingman. I I guess so. I mean, we'll be each other's wingman, right? That's 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 the point yeah, for it. But yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'd rather just be Hondo. I'd rather be the person telling the other people to do the push-ups, <laughs> and then just go with that. Um, yeah. But no, we're here to talk about. I don't know if I like that look, Arturo. It's the only one I have, Zach, but out of uh, all the movies that we've covered, this has been uh, probably the biggest year of blockbusters, dude, man. Just looking back at it, the amount of blockbusters that we've got in this year uh, isn't just vast. They're finally great, man. Like, I remember the year 2016. Yeah. I was so excited for everything's coming out. Some of you may not even remember the blockbusters you were excited for that year. This is a year that's delivering on things we weren't even expecting to want. It's been, what, 30-something mm-hmm. years for this movie? Um, I, I remember, like, collecting I'm, I'm big on collecting a lot of these like posters over here uh, or comic books that have like the variant covers and this was like always been one of my favorite ones the top gun one for a little comic that was out there danger zone edition you can watch any nice. movie and you've seen homages to this thing uh mm-hmm. you know references drops it is one of the biggest things in pop culture that you don't realize until you start mm-hmm. looking around and like people know this left and right yeah, it's one of those movies that I feel like you absorb through cultural osmosis before you ever even sit down to yes, watch sir. it. Like, I know for me, like, I, I had seen so much of this movie, whether that's just, like, clips or references or, you know, VH1's I Love the 80s. But, like, I'd, I'd seen so much of this movie before I actually Saw sat movie. down and watched <laughs> it. Uh, but, like, I think that speaks to just, you know, how iconic it's become and how, how referenced it is and just the amount of anticipation around this movie. You know, I, I made kind of maybe a little bit too bold of a proclamation a few weeks back on Intercut saying that I think this might end up as like one of the 10 or 20 highest grossing movies of all time. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not going to be terribly far off of that opening weekend. It's still, it's it's not bad. (laughs) It's not bad at all. Actually, it's not bad. All right. so we talked a little bit about our thoughts on Top Gun Maverick in a non-spoiler fashion, along with Amanda the Jedi, on our weekend must-watch live stream yesterday, so you can go back and catch some of our thoughts if you haven't yet seen the movie. But if you have, or if you just want to hear us get into some more detail about it, we're going to do our after-credits review of Top Gun Maverick, which sees Tom Cruise return to the skies as everybody's favorite fighter pilot, Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. After more than 30 years of pushing the envelope for courage, he must lend his expertise to a new class of recruits as they as they prepare for an important mission. Art, Tom Cruise famously stated in the past that he saw no need for there to be a sequel to Top Gun. But did Top Gun Maverick convince you he was wrong all those years ago? I'm almost getting choked up thinking about it. Um, I think it's just all about timing. It really is. And this is a movie that's very much about time and definitely uh, plays it in both aspects of it being a military movie that's telling you how much things have advanced to the point that do you really need uh, fighter pilots at this point in time? There is a huge part in the movie where they're practically telling you you're going to get replaced by drones. Mm -hmm. There is an original script to this. Uh, R.I.P. Tony Scott, who did the original, uh, right before he passed in the early 2010s, his original script had him facing 
a drone, which would have been crazy when you think about it, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. he's not just young enough still to be able to be the pilot. He can face the machine, you know? It's, it's the human taking down the AI practically, which would have been crazy. I'm sure they'll save that for the third one. Um, but it's really one where now at this point, especially after the pandemic, with this being a movie that was shot three years ago, uh, they've been yeah. sitting on it through 2020. Basically, the last of these movies that was done before the pandemic mm-hmm. to finally come out. So knowing that and, you know, knowing how passionate, if we want to say Tom Cruise is about the film industry, you can hear every line that he says in this movie as not just him uh, as Maverick, but him as Tom Cruise saying, not today. I will still be here. The cinema must be <laughs> saved by me. I'm so glad you said that because I do think there's a way to just Easily. look at this whole movie as like the career of Tom Cruise, right? Like the 100%. This is an, uh, the, the fighter pilot program is a relic of the past. You know, we're moving on to, to drones and digital te- digital technology. We don't need the old-fashioned movie stars. But for this important mission, even though he's too old for the part, he's the right man for the job. Like, you know... This is the story of Tom Cruise saving blockbuster action movies, essentially, yeah, look at those as well as the story of Maverick. Yes, sir. 100%. How do you think it did? I mean, I think it's pretty satisfying. You know, I think there's a lot of ways in which it really feels like a callback to the 80s, not just in the ways that they're exacting the nostalgia and playing moments beat for beat or or recreating shots but i think even in some of the ways that they've flattened the movie into kind of like the good guys are the cool people and the bad guys are the stuffed shirts who don't want tom Mm -hmm. cruise to fly really fast you know like it's kind of like in a weird way a (laughs) like a a nerds and a nerds get revenge on the uh bullies kind of movie but like in a, in a new form. It, I think it's just very satisfying. I actually think, you know, beyond that too, it's just the the practical effects make this so much more dynamic than, than most movies that are covering similar ideas or using even similar setups. You know, it just, you feel the, the intensity in those moments. I think a big factor of it is if you rewatch the first one, which I would highly recommend people... Uh, we don't get paid by any streaming services. That way we can belittle and give you our honest opinion on every streaming services. Uh, but I know a lot of people are watching it on Netflix. And I was telling Zach, I was like, don't watch this on Netflix, the original on Netflix. It looks terrible. You have to switch over. I told it to my brother. He ended up watching half of it on Netflix, switched to Paramount night and day. But as you're watching mm-hmm. the original, uh, you realize a lot of it is miniatures. Uh, a lot of the shots in the original, it, it was edited so bad that to so many people, uh, and by that I mean like it was edited the best that they could because of the footage where they're not actually saying the lines. They're just covered by masks. Uh, Obviously they're not in the air. It's all done in a very green screen style fashion. And for this talking about uh, Tom Cruise wanting to continue that legacy, he made all of the people who are going to be in this movie, take all these lessons, all these courses to the point that I believe it's only Glenn at this point, Glenn Powell, hours away from getting his pilot's license and he said screw it let me get it and that's literally what he's telling them to do he wasn't just training these people to be in this movie he was training them to continue to make better movies and that's what you've been hearing right. from all of the cast that you can, if you can take that extra step take that extra step to do it uh and i think yeah, that's why it stands he, out 
He's teaching the next generation of potential movie stars how it's done. How to run. The, the length <laughs> that you're supposed to go to. Like, you you don't just sit in a, uh, in a seat and pretend to fly the plane. Nah. You learn to fly the, the plane, plane, damn it. Yes, sir. And I... I you know, there's a, just a lack of that. So when we get that, it just feels that much more special. So there is some really, I think there is something really special about the movie. Even if, like, it might be a little bit broad in its characterizations, it might be a little bit, like, typical in the beats that it's giving you. There is, like, a formula there. I think, though, one of the things I really like about that formula is uh, Top Gun Maverick is sort of a heist movie. You know, it's all revolving around this one mission that they outline from the start and they talk through the different scenarios. They have to bring the team together who all has their special skills. There's complications in the middle that make it seem like it's going to be that much harder. But like in the end, they, they pull it off. And yeah, it's maybe not the kind of like uh, they grab a fortune and go that most heist movies are revolved around, but just building it all around this one mission kind of get, teaches you the stakes really early, demonstrates to you all the different parts to get excited about and anticipate and what could potentially go wrong, and then just makes it very thrilling once we get to that final sequence. And that's why it's different from the first, because the first is a sports movie, through and through. You got people competing for mm -hmm. a trophy, a trophy that doesn't exist. So when the first one got a lot of new recruits in real life, they all went in there expecting like a trophy. And that's like that. That's not the point. Uh, so I think for this new one, they were really able to put it from the perspective of what it's like to be in Top Gun. You're not competing with other people. You guys are like literally supposed to work together to be able to complete a mission. Uh, and I think it adapts that well for that. Uh, I also like because this is a director who he's worked with in the past. His name's Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. Jo uh, yeah. They did Oblivion together. It's a fine movie. Mm -hmm. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> but I know he's done Tron. He's done Only the Brave, which is where he worked with Miles Teller. And in all yeah, of those he's doing movies... doing Spiderhead coming next. Damn. Uh, he knows how to use IMAX to the fullest potential. And I was telling you mm -hmm. that I had seen it in various uh, different ways. I, we got to see it in a Dolby... Uh, Atmos for press. We got to see it in IMAX. We got to see it in 40X, and the 40X is dope. They tuned it for it. Uh, IMAX is still the best. They gave us like all of these little uh, things that they were then charging after the fact. $2 for these posts. Now nah, they were free. Bro, they gave us pins, bro. They gave us those Ooh, Maverick pins. I didn't get a pen. Oh, uh, no, nah, you, you gotta go back there. You're talking about a heist movie. You gotta go do a heist at your local theater. <laughs> make sure you get what you paid for. Um, the, the fact that they were able to put the six cameras into the cockpit, six IMAX certified cameras. And then he says he put two other cameras on the wings. I don't have a Screen X near me, but we were discussing how Screen X is this new format where they put uh, uh, a screen on the left and on the right-hand side of the theater. So then you're able to see during the flying scenes an entire panoramic view. That's awesome. Uh, I like that mm. they went that ahead. When you're saying, was this movie uh, too late? Because he said, you know, I don't want to make this you know, a couple of years ago, I don't think the tech was there to do it. I don't think he had the ability to get a cast to actually do and uh, do all these stunts to be able to have an IMAX camera that has now been formatted to be able to fit in a cockpit. Uh, I think it's fantastic. There's even moments towards the end when you're watching the final fight. If you look at uh, Rooster's visor, you could see the six mm -hmm. IMAX cameras on there. <laughs> Um, but again, the tech, I think they were just waiting for the tech to catch up and yeah. I think you could see it in the movie and I think that's why it's going to last a long time. It's a good update. Absolutely. 
Well, so the story for Top Gun Maverick has Maverick in charge of this new team of pilots on this incredibly secret, secretive mission. You might even call it like an impossible mission, uh, a mission that isn't just for the sake of the country, but for the entire future of the fighter program. What what did you think about the actual story that they're trying to tell here? Again, I, I like the metaphor more about what he represents yeah. to movie movies and cinema in general. Um it's still Maverick. Uh, I think Maverick is a belligerent person. Is he fun to watch on screen for sure? Should he be in prison? Mm-hmm. 100%. After the events <laughs> of the first one, if you watch that, and even with the stuff here, bro, he's taking multi-million dollar stuff. I love the intro. Uh, I think uh, the intro doesn't get enough credit because everyone talks about the third act, which is great, but the movie begins with him hijacking this new uh, spacecraft that they have, aircraft, and burning it to the ground, even though the reason he hijacked it was because he needed to reach a level so everyone can continue having their jobs. But then he burned the aircraft, so I don't understand how they would continue <laughs> to have their jobs. Regardless of, uh, it's him continuously breaking the rules, even halfway through the movie, to show them that the mission can be done through him. Um, I think the penny side of it is really just there to serve as uh, you know, the heart of the story to show that he has something to lose. But to me... The mission, all that stuff comes second to the relationship with Rooster. Uh, The big Mm -hmm. thing that people love from the first one is the banter and specifically the banter that Goose brought to it. This movie is nowhere near as funny as the first. It has jokes, but the style of jokes... It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny, but the style of jokes as this new one has, Goose was on one in the first one. That's why it's lived so long. I've always had this uh, discussion with Alina. What lasts more? Dialogue? Or an action scene. What lasts more in a viewer's mind after you finish watching the movie? Are you quoting it? Or are you going <laughs> about a scene? I think they're both important. Yeah, it's the quotes. But it's the quotes. And, and yeah. I think a lot of them aged from the first one, which is why they're like, let's cut it down over here for this. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably a lot of deleted well, scenes. But They kind of, you, you talked about the Maverick character and Tom Cruise. I feel like they kind of dial him down a little bit because he's older, obviously, a little bit more world-weary. But he's, he's guilty, not the, like, the hothead yeah. that he was in Top Gun. He's, you know, much cooler, much more reserved. I really like the interplay between him and John Hamm because he kind of lets Hamm... John Hamm like, hates he, him. <laughs> he, he kind of lets Hamm, you know make himself seem like the fool and he just by playing it cool and not really getting into fights with him yeah. Maverick stays the one that sort of has the power in those conversations in a weird way he knows how to play it dude um, mm-hmm. and I, the moment John Hamm comes out on screen he's already mad at what's his name um, I, I thought he did a great job as again you saying uh, being the dude in the suit who's more focused on getting the mission done than even caring about the people which I found really interesting one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when John Hamm's telling him that what he did was wrong and that we're here to make sure that the mission can be done and then he replies and to get them home safely one of my favorite interactions in the movie uh just showing you the difference between how they're viewing uh what they're going to go on as the person who is actually been in these types of missions and then the person who just orders people to do these types of things Mm -hmm. absolutely uh so in addition to the return of tom cruise we have that whole host of new characters you mentioned rooster but we also had phoenix we had uh hangman the new kind of Iceman. what did you think about some of the new recruits in this movie and how top gun maverick utilizes them? i see Iceman as or i see uh hangman as maverick i don't see him as Iceman. 
Really? I see him as Maverick. I think a lot of people have said that he's a lot like Iceman. Uh, but I remember seeing in one interview, he goes, I, he was originally supposed to be the part for Rooster, which I find fascinating. Yeah, he auditioned for Rooster. And then he ended up getting Hangman. And he did not like how mm-hmm. Hangman was written on the screen, uh, on the screenplay. So what he did was he worked with Tom and Tom's like, don't worry, we'll do something. And does he not have one of the best scenes at the end of the movie? Is he not the one who ends up saving the movie? I think that brings a lot to it because uh, in the first one, Val Kilmer's character of Iceman and Tom Cruise had a lot of beef behind the scenes. And I think that ends up translating on screen for, you know, the animosity that they they may have had with each other for the competition. Uh, And I think you get that nice little play between the two of them, Rooster and Hangman, and, you know, the insults that they go back and forth with. But I thought Glenn Powell did fantastic. I think he's got this cockiness to him that I think is very reminiscent of Maverick. He knows that he's good. Uh, Honestly, he was probably one of the best new characters. Rooster brings a lot of emotion to it, obviously, because there's the whole baggage of, you know, Goose's death, his father's death in the first one. Um, but I, I thought that Hangman really came in and was able to play a part that I think a lot of people will be quoting a lot of his lines. Uh, totally. Phoenix had a little bit. Phoenix was good. I wish they gave her and the rest of the crew a lot more, you know? Yeah. So I think the thing about Hangman is that because he's kind of the he's kind of the asshole of the crew. Yeah. He's ha- he's, he's the prickly one. He he's a little bit stiff. Like it's sort of it gives him like a perspective that's distinct and a little bit different also from the rest of them. That it, it kind of makes him feel fuller by contrast to everybody else. But like you mentioned, we don't spend a lot of time with with Phoenix, with uh, Jay Ellis's character, even with Rooster prior to, uh, you know, to later in the movie. And I think that takes a little bit away from, you know, the idea of meeting all these characters. I, I kind of wish that... Uh, we had we had a little bit more time getting to know the new team and getting to see that dynamic. I kind of was enjoying that initial scene at the pool hall where we meet all those characters, where we get a little bit of Bob interacting with everybody. And I, I think it could have maybe balanced a little bit more mm-hmm. away from uh, the Maverick stuff and towards the stuff with He's the new team. But it's, it's a Tom Cruise movie. I agree. I would have cut a lot of the Penny stuff to see more from them because I was looking forward to Jay Ellis. I mean, I don't I wouldn't cut a I wouldn't cut a single shot of Jennifer Connolly. Well, man, not at Jennifer Connolly. Maybe <laughs> him going to look for her or something like that. Uh, no, like I know Jay Ellis's parents uh and, and like his grandparents I think. They worked in the military. Uh so he had a lot, you know, look he was looking forward to this role a lot. I also think he's a very charismatic actor. Um I wanted to see more from him. Uh, I thought the character of Cyclone, you know, he had a lot of really good shots and, and moments that reflect from the first movie. But uh, the character of Bob, I think he had like the right amount, if that makes any sense. He's the one character yes. who got the exact amount of lines that he needed to. And that's why it's surprising mm-hmm. that all these other characters sometimes have the same amount of lines as Bob has. That's why it's weird to me. Um, I also did not realize until my second viewing, that's uh, Pullman's kid. Yeah. <laughs> Like Bill the, Pullman's son, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he's fighting there for independence, you know? Um, <laughs> but the one that really got me, and the reason why I agree with you, that I feel that there could have been a lot more for these characters, and I feel that there may have been, is that you have Manny Jacinto in this movie, who is Do referenced. You? I mean, you don't. Do you? <laughs> but when he appears, Zach, they literally go, oh, damn, it's um, Jinx, I think is his name, his call name in the movie. 
hyping mm-hmm. up that he's supposed to be this big figure. We've heard a lot of the behind the scenes for the interviews about how everybody who was there on set kept hyping up Manny because they loved him from the good place. He's in here for a reason. And he's like not even in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm very curious to see the the deleted scenes in this film, to see what lines and banter they may have. But I know you have to mm-hmm. tighten it up. Then you have to tighten it up even more because it's a Tom Cruise movie. And then you're yeah. filling it with the penny scene. So sadly got cut. But there's an extended cut out there, damn it. I wouldn't be surprised if essentially what happened was they filmed a lot of these different set pieces. Sure. Like there's that moment when a cyclone goes up and starts to uh, lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they filmed a bunch of them and basically were like, these ones are working, these ones aren't working as well. And that ultimately led to some of the characters like Manny Jacinto's being, you know, sidetracked or yeah. sidelined a little bit. And, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like the f- most uh, cohesive, like, flow to uh, a movie ever, but, like, it also doesn't necessarily feel jumbled together. It just feels like... Maybe why why didn't we spend some more time with some of these people? It's like especially since you know why do you have Manny Jacinto there at all if you're not uh, gonna agree, dude? Him? It's like Boy State style the way that they decided to focus on the edit who who they right. were gonna stick with or not. But I mean overall, I think it's a decent team. Uh, I would like to see more. Probably the two that stood out to me and they're not a part of the core team would have been uh, the characters of Hondo and uh, Warlock. That would be, uh, mm. you know, one of them's an admiral and then the other one's the one who's working with Tom or Maverick the entire time. And yeah. I-, I love Hondo's back and forth with Tom. They have a recurring line about his face and that being the only one he's got. But Warlock, all of his expressions, dude, were fantastic. From that scene where he, he tells uh, um, Ham's character, nah, we have to bring them back home. Warlock has just this piercing look to him. The way they light Mm -hmm. Warlock, there's one moment at the end that I cannot wait for the HD version of this movie to drop where he just goes, ah, can't believe it. And it's one of the best reaction shots in the movie. This is a movie just filled to the brim with like, (laughs) I want to say gifs, memes, just little bits that you could in and out on and just have like uh, really good... um, just response things to and uh warlock definitely had some of the best ones there so i think overall it's a very strong cast for mm-hmm. tom cruise it's always going to be tom cruise's vehicle the whole movie is tom cruise t- being told that he's a teacher but he's fighting to be in the third act on that plane which is exactly what penny tells him yeah exactly i mean it, it is through and through a tom cruise movie uh and i i you know, it, we are with him through so much. Tom Cruise in planes, Tom Cruise on his motorcycle, Tom Cruise uh, standing at attention, Tom Cruise running, Tom Cruise swooning with Jennifer Connelly. Like, it's it's a Tom Cruise movie. What do you make of Tom Cruise, the movie star here? You know, he's kind of been on this resurgence with the Mission Impossible movies, and obviously this is, like, a huge success for him. Uh do you do you feel like this is a turning point for him at all, or or do you kind of feel like he's back in a familiar mode? To quote Nick Cage, I, I don't think he was ever gone. He's back, but I don't think he was ever gone. I mean, you look at it, he's been consistent with the movies. I think the most recent ones have just hit. If I'm being honest, I think it's that early era of 2010 to 05. We were so saturated mm-hmm. with so many big blockbusters and CGI that the turning point happened somewhere post-2016 when we're getting the, the recent Mission Impossible movies where people just started craving more stuff like this. All of a sudden, I know leading up to this, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's terrible to be a uh, 
Tom Cruise fan because he's such a weird guy and all the baggage that comes with him. And then the moment the movie dropped, everyone just forgot about that because the movie, everyone just wanted to go see it as a movie star. People aren't doing it like Tom Cruise. No one's doing it like him. And that's why I really hope Mm -hmm. that what he taught all of the people who are in this movie, they're able to carry that for whatever the next one is. I'm hoping that anyone who's, you know working on other blockbusters can see what he's doing and see the difference of how something's going to age when you don't go the cheap route of it. And I'm not someone who's against CGI. Yeah. But we've seen trailers come out for the next CGI event and they don't even finish that. So there's a certain point where you just, you have to get it done in a way that's going to last a lot longer. And I think he's always able to deliver that. And that's been his stamp. And that's why people know to show up. His record was 64 million for war of the world. I think. That's mm-hmm. 04? Crazy. Tr- almost tripled that, bro, with this movie. Having, uh, I think it was 150 for the long weekend uh, and breaking the record for Memorial Day yeah. that was held since 2007 by Pirates I mean, of the Caribbean. Even just, even just the three-day weekend, $124 million nah, is, is huge. That's huge. And the 41st largest opening weekend ever. So, I mean, I think the thing is that, like, any time a blockbuster makes that kind of cash, the inevitable question is, like, sequel. Do you do you feel like there's room here? Do you want more? Is there gas left in the tank for Top Gun? Ah, um, what makes this movie work so well is that relationship with the rooster. It's the guilt that he's mm-hmm. been feeling from the first movie that is able to be uh, addressed head on uh, and then wrapped up perfectly in that ending. Right when they stare at each other and he says, it's what my dad would have done. That's gone. I don't know what the heart is for the next movie. What is it? Him leaving Penny again and then coming back? Like, I don't, I don't see it being there. Uh, the inevitable thing for the next thing would just be fighting drones. And I don't know how interesting that is. Mm. So... No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the the enemies are are pretty faceless as is in They've this all, movie. Yeah. First I, one too. I feel like you know, I feel like the the key to the future of the franchise is kind of like if they actually are willing to do the thing that Tom Cruise has been unwilling to do in his action franchises and actually hand over the reins. Like I think the next Yo. movie can't have Tom Cruise as a main character. Sure. I think you can maybe do something with the rooster hangman dynamic or, or just bringing in the whole team again for a new mission. I, I think it'd be fun there as long as they have the ability to do in things that feel, um, unseen, you know, like there are certain stunts performed in this movie that are, are, quite crazy like the way that that o- whole opening sequence when he's suppo- going uh, beyond to- Mach 10 is shot is just shot so beautifully the way it's uh, the plane against the clouds and everything like that but also when they're in the actual action sequences and like when that one plane does that weird like almost Stop, flip dude would he oh, like beyond them. out yeah i don't know what mm-hmm. that was every single time i've seen that it's gotten a reaction from the audience and a reaction from me i'm just like miles teller right after he sees that uh you don't think you need tom yeah. cruise though to do those things do you really think taking tom cruise out of it and having the regular cast you're gonna be able to deliver on those i, I mean shots? i think so I, I mean, you know, that's I hopefully the idea of putting them all through this training and whatever. I think, you know, maybe there is room for a movie that actually actually treats him more as like a supporting character, like never almost happened. puts him it's in the it, it's. Yeah, I don't know if he would agree to it, nah. but 
I don't know. That's the thing. It's like it depends on what Tom Cruise wants for his future because I do think it's there is a little bit of a like acknowledgement of his his aging in also, like, it's the first time we've seen him with someone who's kind of like a realistically aged love interest in a long time mm-hmm. with Jennifer Connelly. I, I just, I'm hoping this is, at least to some extent, Tom Cruise acknowledging that he is, he he's he's not going to be able to do this forever. And maybe there is a more serious turn and a more dramatic turn for him left. I want to agree with you because watching the movie, I thought that's what he was saying. But I feel like if you remember early in the uh, in the movie, they are talking about the mission and he literally says, and it's in the trailer, someone's not coming back from this. And I'm like, damn, he's going to do it. Every single person comes back. And that's where I was like, you're committed. Yeah. But you're not, but like you're, you're admit- exactly what you're saying. He's like admitting to getting older, but he's also saying like, nah, I'm going to change what being older is. Yeah. You know, there is. Yeah. And obviously we're going full spoilers with this, but like there is that moment towards the end of the mission sequence where it really kind of feels like he might have, have died and it would have, uh, he might've been shot down and it would have worked like the movie sold the moment dramatically. Yeah. But Tom Cruise on, doesn't bro. die in Tom Cruise. He doesn't movies. die. They cut to black and then they show him in right there in the snow. And like two people yelled up behind me, of course. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I just don't see that happening. I'm, I'm always, I'd be very curious to see a big blockbuster star do that. Like we were talking about, you, do you think anyone's going to die in Jurassic World, this new one that's coming out? You really think a dinosaur's going to pick one? You know how crazy it would be for a dinosaur to pick up what's his name? That's the thing. And just bite yeah. his head off? That would be the most craziest thing to see in a movie. He's not doing that. The Rock's not doing that. None of these big stars will, will ever do a story decision like that. And I think that's where it starts getting stale. And for one second, I actually thought he was going to do that in Maverick. And to me, that would have added probably a whole other star to it. That would have been really ballsy to do. Um, yeah. But I, I don't I don't think. It's his, uh, his meetings he goes to, bro. He's just always got that energy to continue <laughs> doing, doing more of these. Um, can we talk about Iceman? I, I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah. If you saw the, the old one recently, how, how their relationship compares back to back. Uh, well, you know, I think it's obviously like... A, a different dynamic mm-hmm. than you get in the first movie, but like the first movie is a lot about their growing dynamic and their coming to respect one another. So what I think what you have is you know a, a relationship that does feel like they are old friends, longtime friends, and and I think the way they handle. Val Kilmer's inclusion here is really touching. I mean, there, for those of us who saw the documentary last year, Val, which Very you and I both prime. did, we, we we know about Val Kilmer's health issues. So it was. I found it deeply affecting how they were able to, you know, include him in a way that made him, gave him dignity. I feel like too, you know, uh, gave him a scene of of pretty vital importance to the emotional stakes of the plot and like didn't like undercut his importance to the legacy of that franchise. Right. I, I, I found it very touching. Um, I I don't know. What was your reaction to Val Kilmer in the film? Uh, I like the texting that they were doing at the beginning. You could actually see the texting. You had a nice back and forth between the two of them. I was Mm -hmm. thinking for a little bit that that's how they were going to keep it. But because he plays literally still his wingman, they say, all the stupid stuff that Maverick does, he gets away with because of Iceman, because he's so high up. Tom Cruise has refused to go up any higher, but 
Iceman did, and now he's able to cover his back. I thought the scene where they just say, you know, it, it came back and they kept it pretty subtle and they were able to have that conversation showcases that you can have a very profound and emotional scene between two people, regardless of if they're able to, you know, if there's a disability there. Um, and it worked extremely well, in my opinion. I, I, I think the scene gets more emotional every single time I watch it. I think it's a very good scene. Um, and it was fascinating to read recently the part where he does speak, did you hear what they did to get that? I actually didn't rehear about that, but I was wondering because he doesn't seem to be able to do that in the, at least the latest that I've seen from him. Yeah, because, you know, for the doc, it's his son who narrates for him. Sounds a lot like him. Right. Uh, for the snowman, when that movie came out, uh, I remember like hearing him there and I was like, what is going on here? I had no idea about his condition. I was like, they did him dirty. You know, they just do you dirty regardless of whatever your condition may be. You still got to respect the actor up on screen. What they did this time around, and having seen it three times, I wouldn't even know. AI generated his voice based off of all of the recordings he's ever done. They, they, uh, Lucas filmed him. Yeah. But it's his approval. Yeah. This, we've had this discussions for a lot of things like the Anthony Bourdain doc and uh, several other projects that, that have tried to do the AI voice. They just came out with a Biggie song too, I think, that kind of used the AI voice. I think here is where you can use the technology to the best of its ability. And it's also done right because I think when you see the scene, you will never think twice that that's actually how they did it. Yeah. No, that's, the, it, it is like, done in a way that doesn't necessarily feel like overkill too. Like I, I like that, you know, hypothetically given that scenario, they could have given him a lot more to say. And I like how limited it was. It make it makes the utilization of it that much more powerful. So it's good to see. Yeah. And the trophies you in know, the back I've, too, which I liked when they're talking, you still see the top gun uh, uh, plaque that he won from the first movie. So there's a, a lot of nice little Easter eggs in that scene too. Was his wingman till uh, the end, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needed to go, but I get they used it for the story. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of gives them him a little bit of a definitive yeah, ending. And I guess that way. Gets him off the hook for is, Top Gun 3, potentially. Isn't it crazy, though, that they, they, they did not get back uh, Kelly, McGillis' character from the first one, because she had mm -hmm. an age, and they're like, no, 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 you're not coming next to this. <laughs> but you could be a dude who's, losing, who's lost his voice completely, and they'll work around. <laughs> helps so, to be, be a bigger celebrity too so but yeah bogus, bro. I don't a know. lot of weird dynamics going on there know. in Hollywood but no I really did like the Iceman scene I thought it was uh, I thought it was very effective yeah. our Top Gun was famously used as a recruitment tool by the Navy yep. they had recruiters waiting in movie theater lobbies after the original film crews even went on to make Born on the 4th of July, in part as a response to the lack of nuance in Top Gun's depiction of war. Maverick follows suit in the original's footsteps by kind of being decidedly apolitical, not really naming or showing any faces of the enemy. So let me ask, is Top Gun Maverick propaganda? And also, do you care? It is propaganda. It's 100% propaganda. The first one 100% worked with the military. This one did too. They both have the Navy shouted out in the credits. Uh, mm -hmm. Both of them had recruitments, even this new one. <laughs> My joke is that people were... Put that in your Pentagon budget. Yeah, people were going in buying tickets to see the movie and then getting a flight to go straight to recruitment. Uh, yeah, you can't deny that stuff because you know, just like the Marvel movies that are working hand-in-hand -hand with the military to be able to use the stuff, that's something that 
they're gonna have to get signed off. That first mm-hmm. thing that they had in the movie, The Dark Star, uh, that was something that actual military um, personnel who create these uh, space aircrafts created for this movie that they then flew up and jerry bruckheimer's been really big that the chinese government had to turn the the, their satellites to be like what's going on over there it's a military movie it's gonna be political um i do think it's important to note it out i I think things can be two things at once obviously if you live in america you can have gripes against the military if you live in america you're here also because of the military like i don't it's obvious stuff easily yeah what gets me well go ahead because we'll we'll have another point there was controversy though on this being an american movie (laughs) that was co-produced by china and because of that a lot of things were pointed out in the trailer where the patches in his jacket were changed because originally uh the first movie had him with a japanese patch and a taiwanese patch well there is a country that doesn't really like japan and doesn't really see Taiwan as its own thing. And he puts on a jacket in the trailer that swapped those patches, as you can see right there. Some happened where it turns out there's two shots of him putting on a jacket. One where it's the regular jacket and one where it's the old jacket. I can confirm after seeing it recently that the China deal where they were going to give like 12% of the movie uh, to, to fund it ended up going awry because... They felt that they were going to look bad in the movie, and they thought that they were going to swap out this bit right here. Meaning that mm. if you go see the movie, he when he puts on the jacket, it is the original patches. So America won, Zach. Yeah. Take that for an aggressor's... It's 100% <laughs> political in every way, shape, or form. How you're going to yeah. approach it, who, where you get the funding from, what are you displaying? Like you said, do you see it as political right. to not have an enemy? Do you see that as being so political because now you're doing this us versus them? It doesn't matter who's on the other side. Just get America to be so pro-military that we take out whoever. Yeah, right. Like I use the word apolitical, but that's probably the wrong word to use because even like the the lack of politics, quote unquote, is itself like a a military movie. (laughs) Right. And and yeah, like so by by not giving you an enemy that has like a face, a background, a motivation, then it's just good guys versus bad guys. And it lives online. And militarily industrial complex is good. That being said, though, I'm glad you bring up Marvel, which also does its own contracts with uh, U.S. defense. But I find the the depiction in Marvel movies to be a lot more nefarious because they're more thematically about the the good that the surveillance state can do and uh, that certain good actors need to be given leeway around the rules because they know better what's good for us then I do, uh, then I feel worse about that than I do about Top Gun Maverick, which is essentially like cool plane goes burr, you know, like it's it just like it's cool stunts in prop plane, jet plane stuff. Like it's more about just the, for me, the like the technological abilities of this of these jet fighters that we don't even really use in combat because we're afraid of technology getting into enemy hands. I don't know. It's yes, it's propaganda, but it's a propaganda that I feel a little bit, I feel a little easier swallowing, I guess. They've admitted it's a recruitment tool. All the actors, the the whole crew, you go to the Navy uh, YouTube channel and they're all saluting and doing all the stuff there. Um, But I mean, that's obviously what it's going to, 
have to be when you're working with stuff like this. I believe a lot of their call names as well is in respect to the military who may have also had those call names because they had different uh, variations of what they might have been. But they get they, they told them, no, that's for the Air Force or no, that's for what they do over there. These would be the handful of ones that you would have to pick. And I like how for some of them, like Rooster, they said they kept that in there because Rooster, Goose, they're in the same bird family. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I get it. It's it's still a recruitment tool. Uh, as yeah. cool as it looks to go see it as a movie, to some people, they see that, and then they go. You know, that's what happened with the right. first one. They uh, they did not realize that uh, it wasn't a competition, and so many people went in there thinking they're Maverick to the point that if you go to Top Gun, they charge you $5 if you quote the first movie in any way, shape, or form. $5 <laughs> right off the bat uh, because they got sick and tired of it. Any uh, favorite parts or moments that happened in the movie? I love the intro mock 10 bit. Uh, in 40X, probably the best scene was when he hijacks the plane to go show you how the mission is done. Um, the football scene, bro. Obviously, they needed that original beach scene okay. to come back. I was I spent like most of that scene being frustrated at w- the fact that they were using two footballs, I guess like shows me that they had a reason. If they, they they had like a reason. It doesn't really make sense. It makes man. Zero it's sense. just, yeah. Um, and it, it plays into the long running stereotype that Tom Cruise doesn't actually know how to play sports. He just no. does it for movies. He doesn't No, Absolutely not. Cause it was his idea. And then everyone said, he's like, yeah, it absolutely made no sense. We were just there to clearly pose. Um, he did make them. They stopped filming There's, that scene. And then made them go work out again. Because the ori- in the original, that's one of the most iconic things. I, I'm blanking on which character it is who uh, I want to say it's Coy- it's not Coyote. Coyote's the new one, right? So it would be Cyclone. In the original, who's got like the flex that he does has become the most mm-hmm. iconic thing to dudes ever. So for this new one, he told them when they took all their shirts off, Tom was like, nah, go back and work out. They come back. Miles Teller takes off his shirt and Glenn goes, bro, what the heck? There is a frame and you saw it in the original trailer. It stuck with me the entire time. Right. The duty is so ripped, bro. Damn, you gave me whiplash. And I was like, Miles, <laughs> from where? It, it almost because I'm so familiar with like Miles's face. It almost looks like they superimposed his face onto another body because it's just not what I'm expecting they, for Miles Teller's face. It's crazy. Face. I mean, like JL has always been ripped. Glenn's been pretty ripped, too. Uh, I, Miles is just the one that surprised me the most. But again, yeah. it's Tom telling them these are frames that are going to live on forever. Do you want to make it iconic or not? So, yeah, I mean, they all did their work. It's funny now because, again, this was shot in 2019. You're seeing them now? Yeah, those games are gone. <laughs> this is way too <laughs> difficult, dude. The guy did his uh, his workout regimen and his diet. Dude was eating uh, six eggs for breakfast, two lunches, and then a 20-ounce steak or fish for dinner. In between also having three shakes during the day. That's a, that's a lot of food to eat. Like, forget the workout. The, it's a workout just to eat the amount of food to keep these muscle, to keep the muscle on here. But uh, for that, those frames, dude, come on. That's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a weird question, I think. Um, Top Gun Maverick is a gigantic financial success. It's a critical success, too. I think last I checked, it was at like 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, which, again, is probably too high for a movie like Top Gun Maverick. But it is, it's a very enjoyable film, so I get why it did so well on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yet, despite how well it's doing financially and critically and the A-plus cinema score, 
I, why do I feel like this one has no shot at being as iconic as the original, even though I would say this is a much better movie than the first one? Yeah. Why don't you think so? You thought this was going to make a lot of money. I do, but I still don't think it's going to be I- iconic. Like, I'm I'm a little bit stunned by this like weird thing, like the in in ineffable quality that you can't quite touch on that like makes something like Top Gun last in the culture. I don't know if it's because this one is maybe a little bit sexless compared to the last one mm-hmm. where like you know, even if the romance with with Meg Ryan is like cheesy, it it's like it's something to lean Kelly. into yeah, yeah. and uh whereas the you know the if you want to call it a sex scene, the sex scene with Jennifer Connelly is like one of the tamest things that we've gotten in any movie. It looks like they're like teenagers or something. Oh um, yes. I, I don't know. We just it's don't like, like seeing older people have sex on screen. It's it's after X, it's kaput. I when we saw X, people were getting mutilated and they were fine with it. The moment you saw <laughs> the old lady's breast, they pride damn near threw they? up. So even Jennifer Connelly, who looks fantastic, Tom Cruise, who still look I, I would kill to look like Tom Cruise at sixty. It's it's a montage scene of them just smiling at each other in bed. You're right. <laughs> but what's your favorite quote from this new one? Uh man, n- nothing nothing that I can think of, like don't think, maybe. Which is just a Call back to the original. Yeah. Don't leave your wingman. I'll always be your wingman. Uh, the original has, I feel the need, the need for speed. And Alina's like, is mm-hmm. this where it comes from? <laughs> I'm telling you, Zach, this has better action scenes, but it just proves, I think you're thinking it in your mind. It's because of the dialogue. Dialogue will always yeah. make things live longer. It was even, I'm blinging on the director from Khan who came out and said that, who said that you're supposed to invest in art. Because you're not going to remember the CGI action scenes. You're going to remember uh, Leave the Cannoli or uh, I'm going to make him an offer. Mm-hmm. I can't refuse. You remember the dialogue that sticks with you forever. And yeah, yeah this one may be missing a little bit of it because it's really just homaging the legacy of the original. Right. Which I don't want to say. It, I don't want to say that means it's bad. I don't want to say that means it's forgettable. No, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, it's like I'm going to rewatch this movie and enjoy it. Like I'm excited to show it to my dad who doesn't want to bother going to a movie theater mm-hmm. but thankfully has a big TV. Uh, but like, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be on that same kind of – it's going to be held in the same conversations that we have with Top Gun. For sure. We'll I really enjoyed my time with it and I think it's going to be one of the movies that people really, really respond to this year, you mm-hmm. know? Overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. Again, the way that I would rank it, if you have not seen this movie, is that first and foremost, it's a fantastic movie. Just go see it in a theater, wherever. That's the best part. There's all these different gimmicks that we now have in movie theater stuff. Scorsese, bro, he was right. <laughs> when I walked into the 40X, they have a height limit. That's a ride, dude. That's a ride at yep. that point. But uh, the Dolby is great. The 40X is really interesting to see the seats move. But I'm always going to be pro IMAX. I think it really makes a difference when you get to see the entire view of uh, how they're flying these ships out there. Uh, it looks gorgeous. You cannot replicate 5Gs unless they're going and you're seeing the 5Gs on them. Uh, one funny story that I'll tell you about Glenn Powell. He was talking about how they would always come back and you won't know who passed out as long as they wake up by the time <laughs> they get back, right? Um, there is a point in the movie where... Uh, they're like doing all the G's and they're spinning around and he comes back down and they're always given a uh, thing to throw up in a little baggie and they would all come back with it filled. 
and Glenn Powell would always come back with his empty. But that's because he would bring two bags with him and would hide the one he threw up and he would just give the empty one. <laughs> so, Glenn, honestly, uh, I think Hangman was one of the best uh, additions to this new one. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, let's just center the next one on him because I, sure, I could do with a lot more Glenn Powell. And that'd be sick. His helmet with the empty lines for the Hangman thing? <laughs> He's great. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this edition of After Credits. But let us know what you thought about Top Gun Maverick in the comments down below or by shooting us an email at intercutpod at gmail.com. You can catch more from me, Zach Chevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in a V formation, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Art. Where can you can where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterbox and trying to find an IMAX 40X ScreenX Dolby showing of this movie that I think is only playing in China. So after what I said about the patches, I guess I'll never be seeing the IMAX 40X ScreenX, but you will see me here every week on the Intercut Podcast. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on Anchor on Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. You can find new episodes of our weekly must-watch, our weekend must-watch, on our YouTube channel, streaming Mondays at 3 p.m. And please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at IntercutPod, to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Also, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash intercut, where you can support us for as little as $1 a month and get access to early episode outlines, private Discord channels, or our monthly patron Google Hangouts. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, I feel the need, the, the need, need for, for speed. It's probably what he was on what in the movie. What would your call sign be? My call what sign? What would your call sign be? Have you? Yeah. Listen? I don't know. That's not even a call sign. <laughs> <laughs>